Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Well, hi there, Kimona. Well, hey there, Erin. And we're back with another episode. Woo-woo! You know, now that we do this thing on the regular... You know, as we do. Just another, another season out. I was going to say in the bag, and I'm like, that's not true because we just started it. Yeah, not in the bag yet. In the future bag. A little confusing, (laughs) if you may. Um, (laughs) Is anyone drinking to this right now? I hope you are. I hope you've got that free space on that bingo board. (laughs) I'm never going to stop talking about it. Ever. Oh, you never should. You ne- never Ever. stop. Um, uh. <laughs> I hope someone's drinking our signature cocktail. You know, I worked hard on that. It's based off a cocktail that I had at a bar outside in like, it was like a fall wintery special Ooh. that I had in like October. And it was so good. I drank so many. And I was like, well, obviously our signature cocktail has to include cinnamon or else it doesn't make sense. Of course. And then when I thought about the cinnamon, it made me think about that drink. So I tried to recreate said drink. And I fully support it. Big fan. So, there we go. Cinnamon is the best spice, obviously. Um, and it makes for amazing drinks. It makes for amazing everything. Except for eggs. I just don't feel like that's necessarily true. Ah, we're still there. Okay. Um, I I just like, I feel like it's like saying chocolate's not going to make something better or bacon's not going to make something better like it is. Are you telling me you would put chocolate on an egg? I'd have a chocolate bacon cinnamon egg. Listen, we're not going to hold me to it, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to hold you to it. You need to make that. You need to test out this theory. No, thank um, you. And you need to let the people know. We need to. No one, no answer. one watches my TikToks. There's no reason I have to. I watch them. It's for Thanks, me. <laughs> I consume the content you produce. Literally, my Twitter and my TikTok, both of which you made me create, are strictly for you. And that's okay. <laughs> Alrighty. So today's episode is fun because it's super topical, but not like usually topical just in tandem like ended up being about politics and the election because what else was going on um but we get to talk about the the the, probably the most talked about thing of the last week of the Meghan Markle and Harry why did I forget (laughs) I never like think of their last name and I was like and and the Harry wait what do they have last names? What is Harry's last name? The Prince. Prince. <laughs> um, Prince Junior. Royalty. I don't um, know. I don't know. So Meghan Markle and that guy she's married to. Um, <laughs> the interview on uh, with a Miss Oprah. You know, we're just going one names. Mine is Meghan, I guess. Um, but. Yeah, so that's a very fun thing to talk about, especially since it definitely intersects with a lot of conversations we have here on this podcast. So that's why we wanted to bring it to the table. 
Um, beforehand, I do want to address a criticism mm. that we had on yes. our last podcast, which is good. I'm going to start by saying that. A lot of podcasts I listen to have like some form of addressing things that have been brought to their attention or like corrections on things they've said. So I encourage you, if there's something that you don't agree with that we talk about or you have more information, tell us. <laughs> tell us. Let We're us not know. We are not always right and we don't always have all of the information and maybe you know something more than we do. Um, but Mr. Unpaid Intern here, um, that's a bingo space. Put put your bingo down. Oh, goodness. Look, I'm helping. Using, I'm using helping. chips or a, a marker or, <laughs> or shot glasses. Um, I hope you own enough shot glasses that you can fill an entire bingo board. Yo, that is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> but something that Sam said that is, you know, kind of relevant. I mean, he, he mentioned it after. He always has some notes after editing our podcast of just either content or whatever, but it's cool to have a dialogue on it based on, cause usually if not always <laughs> come on, I are on the same page. <laughs> so, um, but something that Sam had mentioned, and I'm sure other people who have listened to the episode may have thought is that, you know, Biden has only been in office for about a month when we recorded that episode and that, our critiques of him and the administration may be a little harsh um, because we, you know, we're always saying he, he needs to come through with all those promises, but I, I still stand firm in that. Like he was so adamant about these first 100 days and we're quickly approaching that. And like, there's some promises that are not being addressed and, like, there's no contingency plan either. Like, I don't feel like things are being fully, like, oh, I know I said 100 days, but day 110 is when I plan to deal with it. Like, it's just not being addressed, period, which I have a problem with. But into what Sam was saying, and that many other people may have thought um, or continue to think that, you know, it is true that there should be some benefit of a doubt in the fact that things do take time and there's a lot of undoing of the last um, presidency. So I do want to acknowledge that and that I, I do agree that, but I do think it's important to still, you know, come at him <laughs> with accountability and sometimes a little aggression. I'm good yeah. at that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I also heard a little bit of this criticism. Um, one, because you told me, uh, and two, because my mom did have some of the same feelings and she was like, but, but he's only been in there for like a month. Um, and I'm like, yes, but also I feel like, like a very New Jersey accent just came out of me. I don't know. Maybe that was just me. Oh, I, I didn't hear it because am, am New Jersey, but every once in a while I like really like, girl, have you ever talked coffee? Like have it you really ever... comes out. Have you ever heard me say yes. the ingredients that are on a pizza? Oh, no. Sauce. Oh! <laughs> um, it's S-A-W-Z, sauce. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <You're> <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, I fully forgot what I was saying. Um, about... your, mom, your mom was saying that we have some critiques of 
Biden a little too early. It's only been a month. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. Because my my thing with with critiquing him is um, one, it's important to not idolize any politician because yeah, we said that they last episode. are we- just humans. Exactly. And that but is... Al- but also, they're the, they're the ones in power. They're the ones who get to like pull all the strings. So I think it's okay for the little people over here to make some anger claims. I'm not saying I could do it and fix it immediately, but like you're the one who's throwing out all this talk about all the things you're going to solve so quickly. I just want to be like, hmm, but where though? Yeah. Where is it, Joe? If you're going to claim that you can do this all in such a quick manner, just like, you know, follow through with that or be like, actually, we're going to change the plan. That's all I'm saying. We just want transparency. That's it. That's it. And so, like, yeah, is some of it a little harsh? Sure. Um, and that's valid. But also. This podcast is for her opinions. I think a little. I don't want to be A little filtered. harshness is entertaining. I am a Taurus. I cannot. Do, I can't just be filtered. Doesn't work here. All right. Well, to move on from that. Yes, we could take accountability that some of the things that we say are a little against the grain um and we don't need you to necessarily agree with that 100 percent. and so i mean i'm still team joe i still think he's capable of making a lot of changes i just wish he was a little more realistic and transparent about that timeline because otherwise i want to be like mm, show me the receipts mm-hmm. and the dems the democratic party has a messaging problem overall um, and that often leads to, you know, a lot of the things that we are upset about, because if you're going to advertise that you think you can get these things done very quickly, get them done actually very quickly, or just don't have that message. But, you know, that's all. I concur. All right. Back to Megan. And, and the prince. That redhead that she's married to. Whose name isn't even Harry. I it. His name's Henry. What? Prince like Harry. His birth name. His birth name is Henry Charles Albert David. Well, okay. That's four first names. Like Billie Eilish. Except this is four. Billie Eilish pirate. Some O'Connell. But these are all first names. All right. Well. I'm just, I, I will not be referring to him as anything. Um, so, so everyone has either seen this interview by now or is become quite familiar with it based on articles, uh, conversations, Twitter. There's a lot of information going on because a lot happened with this interview. Um, and a lot of it uncovers a lot of big concepts, major concepts that we talk about on this podcast, like racism, uh, colorism, you know, colonialism. There's a lot of big key words here that come out and were really addressed during this interview, which is, which is important. Um, so that's why we want to uncover it, but uncover it, discuss it. I don't know what's happening in my brain. All right. Come on, say words. <laughs> I think discuss is what you were looking for. Just um, rescue me. <laughs> yeah, but 
so I watched this interview. Um, like the first like TV event that I've tuned into in a long time, but I, I had to because I was like, some tea is about to be spilt. Tea is going into the harbor again. Down <laughs> the monarchy. This was this was my whole Twitter feed. Also, <laughs> like everyone was like, yeah. Throw the tea in the harbor and all those things. Speaking of Boston <laughs> accents, when I went and got my fried rice earlier, the guy in front of me had a very thick Boston accent, and I was just not mentally ready to hear that accent in the middle of New York. And I was like, what city am I in? Where did I go? <laughs> did you get confused? Listen, I've had a long day. That's valid. I feel that. Me too. I was in um, New York, then New Jersey, then New York again in a different part. All in one day. <laughs> Beep boop up. Wow. A little zooming around the globe here. Not the globe. Zooming around the northeast of America. Barely. Dry state. Two states. Um, let me not try to... I don't know geography. Uh, yet here I am very intrigued in what's happening across the pond, as they say. Um because this interview was something else entirely. I don't know what I expected, but I did not expect all of the all drama. Of that. <laughs> yeah, all of that. I mean, you do expect it because this has been ongoing since they got together. Right. And this has also just been, it's been coming to this moment. So I'm not really surprised. Yeah, see, I think my thing is I haven't really followed all oh, okay. of this. So I was like, uh, she's going to talk about why she left and stuff. It's going to be intriguing. But I truly did not expect so much of this, just like horrific treatment like behind the scenes. Because it was obvious. You could see, you know, how the tabloids were treating Megan, how... There were all of these um, just like horrible headlines, how it was obviously a double standard between her and Kate. Do I have to put an honorific in front of her name? Is she that duchess? How do you Um, refer to her? I also just, we're just going to talk about them casually. I I don't have time for that. (laughs) Unless it's my girl, the queen. (laughs) Right. Okay. So we'll refer to the queen as you know her royal. And she's she is the queen of corgis. Amen. That's what she's the queen of. Yes. So just know that when I'm saying queen, that is what I'm referring mm. to. The Amen. queen of corgis. Also, Antony from Queer Eye can be the king, perhaps the prince of corgis. Ooh, yeah, the prince. I think. Yes. Continue. My right. brain is just bopping around today, so you we're going to just keep it's going off right. into weird like a, tangents. It's like a different flavor of Aaron today. I crave human interaction. <laughs> um, but it's obviously a different experience than how Kate was treated in the tabloids. And that, that much I knew. That much, you know, you don't have to be following this very closely to see. But then to hear Megan speak about the very specific instances that are so obviously filled with racism and anti-black racism specifically blew my mind partially because she is 
a light-skinned black woman. She's light. She's she's biracial, and she easily could pass for white. And I think that's why people have such a difficult time with it. Mm-hmm. Because when they see her, they don't necessarily think of a black woman. Exactly. And that, the reaction to her, like, by the public, by the royal family, by anybody, really uncovers a lot of racism and colorism that's so indebted in this society, um, which is no which is no news. But what is the most clear in this circumstance is that, you know, and this is not an original thought at all, but her white privilege by being passable by being white passing is what allowed her to get to where she is to be a part of the Royal family, but colorism and racism and the fact that she is still a black woman. And that is what also took it away from her. Um, So there's, there's no argument whatsoever to say that this, this issue isn't so deeply rooted in racism, whether intentional or not, um, where and I and I will come to talk about this later. But there's definitely some circumstances that I do believe are intentionally racist. But I, I would argue that a lot of it is just um, rooted in the systematic oppression of Black women. That a lot of it is just so ingrained into Western society that it's just it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think the way that you just said that is really important. That I was going to try to use like grammar as like a, a vehicle <laughs> to explain my thoughts here, but I realized I don't actually know how to identify parts of speech. Um, also, grammar in your head, that's hard. Yeah, I just <laughs> tried to do that. And I said, never mind. Let's, let's rewind. But the way that you just said that is really important because both of these things can be true. It can be true that because Megan is lighter, because she has lighter skin, she was able to get close to the royal family to marry a prince. That wouldn't have happened to a dark-skinned black woman. But it can also be true that she then experienced anti-black racism, even though she's light-skinned. Like, I was seeing so much of this like oh but she's like really light like she could pass for italian so like but that's not who she is but it's like no that's not what it is also it's racist to then call her say she's white but like no she's a black woman and they wouldn't have asked an italian woman you know how dark their baby would turn out so exactly and i actually do know people that are italian who don't look it because they're so dark but yet, you're not going to face those issues because you're just Italian. You're just a white person. But that's where colorism comes so into play, is there really is such a difference between, you know, the knowledge, per se, of being Black or some version of other. You know, I'm saying other with air quotes because that's mm-hmm. a disgusting term. Please know that, <laughs> listeners. Um, but... You know, maybe this would be a very different situation if 
she didn't know she was black. Mm. What if she was adopted, raised white, and never knew, and they found it out during an ancestry test? Like, the experience of being black also comes a lot with the knowledge of the people around you and society treating you as a black person. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I am just the white lady talking, but I think (laughs) that that's got a lot to do with it is that the white passing portion really makes white people feel like they can give her like, I don't, I don't know how to say it. Like a white card. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. It's it's like, yeah, you're able to do anything. We won't question you because you look like us. But not everyone who's black looks very dark. And not everyone who's white looks very light. And I think that's like a whole different issue of colorism that, you know, people can benefit from white privilege and being a white person and not have to experience things from a form of racism because they have that in their pocket of, no, 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 I'm white. My parents are white. I wasn't adopted. My ancestry is European. Although there's probably plenty of people who are white, air quotes, like have all that in their ancestry that they're European and like I said, but are darker than Meghan Markle or someone who does have you know, black or a different color <laughs> in their blood. I don't know. <laughs> no, yes. It's a really interesting and important conversation that I have been having with, with people quite a lot recently. Um, there's actually, of course, one of these conversations did happen on TikTok. You know, my favorite app. It's where <laughs> I live. Um but there was this girl who was talking about her experience um, as someone who her she's half black, but she looks white. Mm-hmm. And she made a video, and she was like, like, like she was genu- genuinely like asking to like start a dialogue, have this conversation. She's like, I don't know how to describe myself because you look at me like. She's like a ginger. She's got freckles. She's like, I look white, but my dad is black. How do I? And and she's talks about, you know, how she's been around black culture. She has black cousins. Like, so she has that connection. Cause, and she is black. But there's, I personally, um, and there's not everyone agrees with me and my thoughts on this, but this is how I have come to, to think about this is that there is an important distinction between cultural blackness and how society racializes you. Uh, so, like, for this this girl's case, she wouldn't be labeled a black woman without context. So I would argue that, like, racially, because race is a social construct and because it's yes. based on how society treats you, racially, she's not black. But culturally, she is. Because, like, that's her heritage. And So now I have... An, un- an uncomfy question. Not because I think it, but because I can easily think of a lot of people hearing that argument and going, well, wait. So in that circumstance, let's take that that girl from Dr. Phil, bad 
baby. She always made the argument, granted she was a child and she was not well, but people like her have made the argument that, you know, they grew up in a black neighborhood, all their friends were black, all the people they were surrounded by, like their cultural experience was, I'm making a lot of hand gestures that no one can see other than Kimona. Um, you know, makes her feel like she can speak in a certain slang and say certain things. I don't know. Like other people have argued their ability to use the N word. Like, I mean, it's an uncomfortable, it's an uncomfortable argument because there's clearly a lot of flaws, but based on what you said, how do you distinguish that type of person versus someone who's white passing, but their heritage, their ethnicity is based in black culture. For me, I draw the line uh, at like your family. Like if your only concept of black culture is just like saying the N word and rap music and like growing up in the quote unquote hood, that's a very like that's like a specific type of energy that you just want to well that's also then that's trying to equate poverty with right blackness right yeah but if you have actually like if i realize that this is it's a slippery slope it is an interest it's hard but if you're someone if like like this girl who's half black but she doesn't look black but like you know, one of your parents is black and you experience the the culture from that side. I, it, it, I have, I feel like it's, you can't say that that person's not black at all. Would they be racialized as black? No. But I feel like there is more to blackness than just being racialized as it, although that is a large and important part. Well, too, that, you know, having your ancestry of people who have been racially treated as black, like if her father is black, he carries that generational trauma, her ancestors have potentially been slaves or been, you know, faced a history that is very much a part of her, regardless of her societal treatment and again i'm the white lady in the room my opinion matters less here but from what you said i don't know if it necessarily necessary oh my gosh necessitates words are hard it's okay (laughs) really big mouthful there if it necessitate oh my god i can't say it (laughs) it's okay i believe in you i said it once and i tried to say it again i couldn't move on whatever I wouldn't say that she's necessarily not a black woman just because she doesn't experience her day-to-day life out in white society as a black woman. However, I 100% understand what you're saying about, you know, without context. Like, she's not going to get pulled over and she might not have to worry about her, like, might not have an actual logical fear of the police because they're not going to do anything. So that experience is definitely missing 
but I don't know. I think you should describe just in general. I just think people, if someone tells me what they identify with, I'm going to believe them and respect them. Yeah. Um, if someone tells me that they're a tree, I'm going to say, okay, it doesn't bother me any, (laughs) but I definitely understand the argument for sure. Because I mean, and this is just the truth. Um, I think the conversation of colorism is not brought up enough. Um, especially where people are becoming more familiarized with racism and anti-racism, they really need to make sure that they're bringing into the conversation colorism and how that affects people both within and without the, um, within and without the community. Um, So, wow. I'm so sorry. I cannot like be a functional human being today. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. We all, we all struggle. Um, at the end of the day, I think this is how, this is how I'm going to wrap, wrap up this part for now, right? This is what my brain has come up with, is at the end of the day, it's if the ancestors could claim you, you're black. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm going with. If the ancestors are bringing you to the cookout, you're black. But that's up to the ancestors. All right. We'll deal with it on the day to day. We'll figure it out if I run into you on the street. That's a, that's the a situation. Um, yeah, but I want to talk more about Megan and this interview, and particularly um, about how her thoughts, how how her like, mental health conversation was received, um, which I think is, again, okay, this whole conversation about Megan has to be done through an intersectional lens, because 100%. like, all of this is just layers. It's layers of intersectional identities. And if you're trying to look at this and like dissect it, it's just not going to work. Well, for sure. She's a woman. She's not a royal. She's an American. She's half black. She's got a lot of identities that intersect and therefore impact this tradition and, you know, lack of flexibility within the royal family and the the traditions that lie within that. Yes. Um, And so I think it's really interesting seeing how different communities that maybe adhere to like one aspect of of Megan's identity more than the other have responded to her her struggles with mental health. She mentioned in the interview that for that, that she literally told Harry that she didn't want to be alive anymore. Um, And like she was really struggling and she asked for help and the the firm as they call themselves or something i was like nah we can't do that like you you can't get help right now which i'm like what are you doing stop that um but i've also seen like way way too many people um particularly a lot of white men interestingly enough surprise um, surprise mm -hmm, saying things like oh like she's just saying that for attention like she's just saying that to like make like her story like have some like relevance or like some nonsense and I'm like are you dumb are you dumb I think it's just so logical that the experience that she and Harry have had would result in mental health struggles I mean that's just common sense to me it must be so isolating to have the people who claim to be there to protect you and love you and support you um you know reject you and go back on their promises. And I think that's a very powerful thing that Megan had said is that, you know, one of the biggest problems 
was that she realized that the the biggest lie was that they sworn to protect her and they did quite the opposite. Um, and that hit me really hard because I cannot imagine how isolating that felt, especially when you do ask for help that you are not receiving it. Um, so I, I just can't imagine how people can't see that. I think that's kind of inevitable. And it's really interesting to me um, because it reminds me a lot of conversations of privilege. And when trying to explain white privilege to people, I personally have come across a lot of people being like, well, that isn't like, I, I've still struggled. And like, no one is saying that because you have a certain privilege, you can't struggle in other ways. And when it's sure. on an individual level, people are very quick to defend themselves and defend that, like, I may have whatever privilege you want to label me with, but I still have struggles. But then we'll turn around and defy that same logic to say, well, she was a princess. She she was in the royal family. How could she struggle like that? Well, uh, I hate to break it to you. No matter how much privilege you have in the world, you can still have mental health struggles. Yeah. Mental health doesn't discriminate um, in any way, shape, or form. And I, I think that's a really good analogy, the comparison to white privilege, because you can have everything in the world and still suffer. Um, and it doesn't take away from your pain just because you're not the one who's struggled the most ever in this world. Of course, she has so much, so much privilege and you know, she's wealthy, she's royal, she's white passing. There's a lot within her upbringing and place in the world right now um, that benefits her. But that doesn't mean that she isn't being attacked by the media, being, you know, prejudiced against by random people as well as her family members the people that are supposed to love her and promise to care for her and that doesn't detract from the pain that she's feeling and i think it's a very uh, cruel thing to assume that someone who's doing well in life can't also suffer or be oppressed in some facet um so yeah yeah <laughs> and i also think it's important to note that she also was experiencing anti-black racism. Um, Very prominently. Too many people like don't realize that racism, no matter like how you experience it, no matter what color, uh, how light or dark you are, like we still are all functioning in the system that is built upon racism okay we're also facing the same systemic oppression even though some of us are able to get right up and close and nuzzle with the royals okay she's still under that same system and that system is crushing that system wants us to fail and that system causes more suffering so to think that just because she has married a prince means that she can like climb her way out of it that's not how the world works and what bugs me the most is that Megan, Megan herself was probably not going to see every last tweet that people have about her saying that, you know, she needed help for attention and all of this. But your friends and family will. The people close to you who might be struggling, who are looking to find someone to reach out to, they'll see it and they will take note. 
And those- that's a really good point because no matter who you are, even if you don't think you know anyone who's suffering from depression or suicidal ideations or any variant of mental health issues, um, severe or not, you know someone and you likely know someone who's very, very close to you. So be careful with what you say because that person is not going to come to you for help if they know that you don't believe people. Yeah. Just, you know, you're not speaking into a vacuum and you could affect those you love. Um, I was going to make a comment back to just the, again, like the racism that she was feeling within her own family um, and how that takes a toll on her mental health. I mean, such a clear example of that is the comment that they made that some family members within the royal family had been making comments about prior to Archie's birth of what his skin color was going to look like, how dark he was really going to be. Um, So here she is, who's being a woman who's being perceived as white when she's entering this royal family, being treated, generally speaking, as a white woman, right? And then she's marrying a very white man, or she's already married a very white man, having a baby with a literal ginger. (laughs) I think the last thing on her mind was, I wonder if anyone's going to be upset that he's partially black. Maybe maybe that's naive of me to think that, a, that probably is naive of me to think of that a black woman wouldn't think that. But to me, that's daunting that someone, I mean, would ever think that, obviously. But like, of all the cases, it's not like Harry had been with someone who was extraordinarily dark and they had to you know, experience, like, what is it going to be like to have a grandchild or a nephew that is biracial? I mean, I just, I think it's very eye-opening that in this circumstance where the child was most likely going to be quite light, that still people were that bothered that Megan has blackness within her that they were that worried that their child or grandchild, nephew, whatever they, like, I don't know. We don't know for fact what family members said what. I have my suspicions. Mm -hmm. But just, you know. That's not even that. A brother and a father. Right. It's obviously them. But that's not even (laughs) that, like, nice nice in quotes uh like subtle new age racism you know right that's that's some overt like exactly i don't want a n-word and i'm I'm censoring myself because i don't want anyone to be uncomfy but like Ew, come on me i just say nigger oops um She was mad that she censored herself, and she's like, "Who fucking always say it?" Because they're like Negro blood in my royal bloodline, in my crown. Like uh, over it, like that is some overt, dumb, like very racist racism. Personally, I think that's the most like substantial evidence that they they provided from that interview to say like yo, the royal family is so racist, please try to deny this, that their quarter black family member is too black to be royal. 
like you were saying, like you can't have any of that in our bloodline. And that's horrifying. Yeah, that's horrifying. insane. But also, again, not surprising. I mean, the whole British regime is based in colonialism and <laughs> therefore racism. But yeah. I digress. And I think a lot of people forget that. Um, I sure know that I don't think about that on the daily. We also are, you know, a little biased here because we are Americans. Right, of course. But even, like, when whenever, like, someone mentions, like, you know, the queen or, like, that there are princes and princesses and dukes and duchesses in, across the pond... I cannot tell you the last time before all of this happened that I was like, oh, yeah, those are the direct descendants of, like, colonialism and imperialists and, like, you know, the the British monarchy that literally invaded black and brown countries and exploited those people. Yes, these are the direct ancestors who are happy to acknowledge it. It's And wild. quick to not denounce it. If you notice. Like, I, I'm truly speechless when I really think about it. Um, because, I don't know, they don't really, like, point that out aggressively in school or anything. And I was just like, wow. Um, and I had come across this thing on Twitter. And I will link it for all of uh, our friends um, on the show notes. Ooh. Uh, but it's, it's just... The, the first line, the House of Windsor must fall, but not before they pay reparations to the descendants of the victims of the transatlantic trade in Africans. And like it goes on and on and on and on, and it ends with, I want to dance on their graves for my ancestors' sake. And it's so beautiful. I'm going to link it for everyone. But it's like, this is so true. These are the people. This is a direct line to colonialism. And we're out here romanticizing this monarchy. And they're Why? also a clear lineage of people who have benefited from it. Like, they just have an absorbent, exorbitant amount of wealth. And it's just like, what is that from? Oh, here, let me show you. It, yeah. it, it's very unsettling. Yeah, if you like sit with that, it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um... Well, we we have so many things to say about this that have not been said, and it's 42 minutes in. Okay, well, quick vote. Is Harry a good ally? Uh, I'm going to go with he's a quintessential white guy who says he's an ally to people that are different than him, that are oppressed. I think that he has good intentions, but I think his love for his wife trumps that all. Um, I think he's more invested in protecting her from a sake of watching the person he loves suffer rather than directly addressing like, oh, she is suffering because of racism. And I think a good point to that is he did mention that he was seeing a lot of comparisons to the way his mother Diana was treated. And to mm. me, as as lovely as I thought that sentiment was to be like, I saw it. They did this to my mom. And I think that's really powerful. I also think that kind of proved to me that he was more focused on the sense of 
you know, the the lack of being royal. Yeah. And being suffering from just being a human, being someone different and not focusing on the fact that his wife is suffering because she is a black woman. Not solely, but largely. Right. Yeah, I I basically agree with that. Um, I think he's trying. I think he needs to hop on the anti-racist journey. Um, because also he's fresh out of that monarchy. And based on the surrounding people, his father and brother... Uh, sounds like he has a lot of unlearning to do, which he did kind of mention in the interview. So I'll give him that. He said the phrase unlearning. Word? Good. Phrase? I mean, I think I think he's working towards it and that he has a lot of work to go. I do think he is clearly an incredible husband. Obviously, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I think there's a lot to say of the acknowledgement of leaving your family and your money and everything that you've ever known behind for the person that you love because they're suffering, whether that was because he was acknowledging the mental health struggles or the comparison to his mother. I think that still is a very noble thing to support someone that you love. Um, But is he a good ally? Eh. He's got to work on it. But I, I, but I think he will. I think he will. Yeah. I, I believe in his ability to pull through on the allyship train. (laughs) So, <laughs> the interview was crazy. This podcast was a rambling nonsense of me, mostly. Kimona had her thoughts together. Um, maybe I should take note and, you know, have a notes app, like Kimona said, instead of my filing cabinet brain that was clearly on fire today. <laughs> hey, it most days for you. Uh, it wasn't. It's fine. It works most of the time. Maybe you just... Uh... My podcast performance is a direct relation to how my day went, and... I was traveling all day and literally got home 30 minutes before we started recording. So, so it's a, it's a fun little, little different kind. Of also, Kimona's fully vaccinated now too. So yay, Kimona. Woo! And we I hope everyone is nearing uh, eventual everyone's eligibility in America. Uh, I don't know if we have other listeners. We do have listeners. Uh, based on demographics that are not Americans. Mm-hmm. So I hope that everyone's nearing eligibility that fingers crossed by May 1st, everyone in the United States will be eligible. So we will definitely keep posted on that. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts, Kimona, as we wrap up this episode? Get your vaccines when you can. Take whichever one you can get. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I forgot. Is that your Bridgerton voice? Yeah, that's that's me pretending that I too am British royalty. Except JK, I don't want to be because you just want the, the dresses. Things. I just want the dresses from Bridgerton. Yeah. Um, oh, and we're gonna um, fingers crossed, knocking on wood, uh, have the website up for you guys to have show notes and stuff. Uh, hopefully this week. <laughs> But don't hold us to it. Yeah, but. <laughs> if that doesn't happen. Um, just pretend it's this. It, pre- listen to this again, like when it it does come up. Okay, well, that's it from us. Thanks for hanging on to all of our ramblings and follow us on social, and we will keep you updated. And until that happens, <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, goodbye. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.